Hey, I'm Brett Gornick. I'm Jason Lobig. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast. Best day ever. We are coaches, trainers, retreat leaders, and wellness advisors, but didn't start our careers doing this. Jason worked in public accounting, and I worked in corporate retail until starting our dream business in which we help people from all different industries pursue their best day ever every single day. The goal of this podcast is to interview both each other and other professionals making an impact on the world on how wellness is the fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. This podcast is about teaching people to actively pursue their purpose and how to use self-care to do it. We're here to show you how the best day of our mindset is available to anyone at any time, no matter your circumstance. It's your choice and we're here to encourage you. Have the best day ever. Live Better Squad, what is good? This week's podcast is brought to you by our virtual retreat, our free virtual retreat, which is coming up May 9th and 10th. We're bringing together some of the top fitness wellness experts in the world so that you can have an incredible experience. Our goal is simple, to raise $10,000 for our youth initiative. So if you want to pop on, it is free to join. You can donate 5, 10, 15, 20 bucks. Make sure that you share this with friends, family, and coworkers. You can sign up right on our homepage, livebetterco.org. We will see you May 9th and 10th. Let's get after it, team. Peace. Live better, fam. Brett and Jason here with David Reavy. Uh, the Reavy Method React um, works with athletes, works with everybody in Chicago. Six clinics now open in Chicago, Chicagoland area. He has treated both Jason and I. Uh, we have multiple clients that go to see him and other PTs across the way. Uh, we cannot be more excited to talk shop and talk about the healing process. Not only that, but getting better, getting faster, getting stronger, and why and how we can do that. So welcome to the show, David. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I uh, know you guys personally and uh, had you on my table, so I know what your body looks like. <laughs> yeah. So it's great to uh, put a face you know, and get this going. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on. Uh, and one of the things we want to start with was um, the ethos behind your business and what you do. And one thing that we saw as we were doing a little research on you is that you and I share the same favorite book, which is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Yes. And um, I think as we've grown Live Better, as we've tried to impact more and more people, as you're growing your business, trying to impact more and more people, it really comes back to the why. So what is the reason why you started doing what you're doing? Well, when I was 18 years old, I was a high school athlete, I got hit by a car. So it was my senior year going into my uh, first year of college. And so that was my first experience with physical therapy. And so I had bone bruising, muscle spasms, um, no herniated disc, but SI pain. And I went to physical therapy and, and I left and I never came back because it didn't, it didn't help me, it hurt me. And so I was wondering, I looked into more about the profession. I was originally gonna go into pediatric medicine. Um, so I wanted to stay within the healthcare field and I looked, about phys looked into physical therapy. And I think physical therapy school gave me the framework, the foundation of what I have today. And so I'm grateful for that. And so I think I was on a quest to get myself better selfishly. But in that process, I was able to figure out a lot of things, especially the pelvis. And um, I think that's where my methodology stems from is just, I mean, you have over 60 different muscles that attach to pelvis. So I think the pelvis is your foundation of your body. 
Um, but I got into physical therapy because I got hit by a car, selfishly enough. <laughs> <laughs> Walk us through like some of the, you know, I think initial anecdotes that you had personally. So I'm sure that when you were going through PT school, you related that a lot to your own injury. Um, I had a serious pelvis injury. I tore my hamstring off my hip. So know all about at least one of those muscles, <laughs> a couple of those muscles that attach to the hip. And whenever I'm going through PT for whatever ailment I have at the time, I always just relate it back to my own injury and just kind of like use it as a learning tool. So like, can you walk through when you were going through PT, um, how you kind of started to like get interested in more of the things that were helping you and then how did you end up relating that to other people like that you wanted to grow a PT business in general instead of just like work in a clinic or work on some specific area of the body? Yeah, so I think um, got into my business itself is I was actually going to leave the physical therapy industry. I was going to go into um, investment banking. So I got my MBA in finance out of DePaul University here in Chicago. And so 9-11 happened, so I got, that kind of got thrown out the window. So I was going to work in a hospital as a more of like an officer of a company. And then um, I fell into a partnership with another company and formed my own business. But I think going back to your question is um, the things that I started seeing in PT school is like how everything's connected. And I've worked out since I was 12 years old um, as I played football. Um, my older brothers uh, worked out as well, so I had a, a, someone to help learn from um, and not just look at weights and lift weights. And so there's a process behind it. Um, not every day is lifting heavy. Um, you do light stuff, opening up stuff, mobility stuff that type of thing, but I think uh, the biggest opening was how 50% of medical professionals don't believe the pelvis moves, the SI joint moves, and then another 50% says it does. So there's a lot of, just like with research, there's research for it or against it. And so I think understanding how your body moves and starting to see patients and how they differ and why they differ kind of helps you build a foundation. So as I was going through, a after my physical therapy school, I started taking different courses, and I always questioned, like, why does it work for this person and not that person? It doesn't make any sense to me. We all have a certain number of bones, certain number of muscles, and how is it all related? Like, sequencing is important, the motor pattern is important, and what differentiates you as a weekend warrior and someone who is just clumsy walking around? I think the biggest thing is the foundation of your pelvis and getting all those muscles to fire together equally. And one of the things that I say is, like, if you make a bicep contraction and you touch your bicep, it's on. But touch your tricep, it's also on. It's a co-contraction. It's not just one thing that does everything. It's a bunch of muscles working together. It's always say it's one body. It's one unit. And how does it work together? That's function. And so I think, you know, that got me fascinated with the pelvis and trying to understand how to get it to move. And I be, I'm a big believer the position of your bones dictate how your muscles work. And so if your bones aren't in the right position or you can't get them in the right position, then a certain muscle won't fire. And so a lot of people talk about how an anterior tilt is tight hip flexor. Oh, you got to strengthen your abs and your glutes. Well, you can't strengthen your abs and your glutes if your pelvis is tilted anteriorly. Your abs and glutes tilt it posteriorly. And so if you can't get it to fire, that's part of the problem, right? Certain muscles are telling the, the bone to be stuck in that position. So you have to make changes reflexively to change it. And I think if you understand that the body moves reflexively and start thinking along those terms and how they work together, I think it would make you a better clinician and uh, better understand your body. So when you look at a client that walks in the door, and, I, and 
this is one of the things that I really found fascinating with coming in to see you and having clients that have seen you was I came in and said my hamstring was sore or I've had clients come in and have shoulder and hip issues and the first thing you look at is a full body scan. Absolutely. It wasn't even like you didn't even touch my hamstring. Shut up, and we did eight, 800 <laughs> other things, and I noticed that my hamstring could just fly over my shoulder. Right. Um, so I have, a, I have a second part to this question, too, once we finish. But can you take us through the approach? Um, the pelvis is the central part of the body. There's everything moving around it. Um, if my neck hurts or my knee hurts, how do you assess um, and then initially start to treat? Well, your, your body tells me a story about how you use it. And like I said before, it's reflexive. And so I'll watch you walk. I'll watch how you move. And I can see certain things of certain muscles not firing. Um, and so if someone's coming in with neck or shoulder pain, it's very important that you have to understand where your lat falls into that equation. So your lat crosses over 30 joints, right? It attaches to your humerus, and it goes all the way to your lumbar spine, your low back, like your SI area, thoracolumbar fascia. So over 30 joints, I had one of my students count them, and it's pretty impressive. I mean, everyone wants to talk about multi-joints, muscles that cross more than one joint. Now you have a muscle that most people don't use that crosses over 30 joints, and that muscle is a postural muscle. It's a, the lat in addition to your abs, postural muscle, and your glutes. And so if you're not using your lat properly because it has the same, attaches to the same area as your internal obliques, and your muscles turn on via stretch reflex, so if my lap pulls on my floating ribs and my internal oblique doesn't pull back because my lap's not on or vice versa. So they play tug of war with each other. And so that's what stability is. That's what uh, being in neutral is, is a proper tug of war. And so like if you look at patients or people in general, they have a musculoskeletal imbalance. So you can have, everyone shouldn't have a musculoskeletal imbalance. There's more and more research that shows that that's what people have pain. But from a musculoskeletal standpoint, like if you're not using one muscle, then something else is taking the load. And that's how people get pain. First they get tightness and then they get pain. So if I have neck pain, so your, your head is dependent on the position of your cervical spine, which is uh, dependent on the position of your thoracic spine, which is then dependent on the position of your lumbar spine down to the sacrum, right? So your sacrum is the counterbalancer for your lumbar spine. And so if your sacrum doesn't move or is stuck in one position, that means your lumbar spine isn't in the right position. And so now you have stabilizers that don't work. So now your movers need to become stabilizers. And so that's how people hurt themselves and constantly have the same issue that they deal with, deal with over and over and feel like the constant need to stretch. So I, I definitely look at the pelvis first because it, puts, it sets you up to succeed. So you can walk around with your pelvis in an anterior tilt, which is very common, and your sacrum is backwards, which we call counter-nutated and then you lose that lumbar lordosis in your spine. And so that's what gets your lats and abs to work properly, as well as your glutes. And so like, if your lat isn't working properly, that's how you can get shoulder problems. Because the position of your, like, your shoulder blade or your scapula is a floating muscle or a floating bone, right? It sits on your rib cage. So if your ribs are out of alignment, then your shoulder blade can't move properly because the ribs are acting as a, as a speed bump, as a roadblock that won't allow you to strengthen those muscles or engage them properly. So looking at your, like again, the, your posture, your resting posture is your body in neutral alignment, right? So that's what your body does naturally, that's neutral. That's the way you sit, that's the way you stand, that's the way you lift weights. And so if you can't get your body out of that bad positioning and go to a, a normal neutral, not what you think is neutral, <laughs> then those muscles won't fire. And I'm a big believer, if you're in the gym 
and you're lifting these weights and you don't feel the right muscle working, it's because it's not. I remember times people do um, pull-ups and just feel their upper trap working. Should your upper trap work? Absolutely. But is the primary mover? No, your lat is, right? So you should barely, you should definitely feel your lat. And there's a lot of times people like at the gym they have huge biceps and no back muscles because your biceps doing all the work, right? And eventually then you have impingement syndrome of the shoulder, right? Because of the way the biceps attach, a long-headed bicep attaches to your sh shoulder girdle. And so it's all about alignment and positioning and putting yourself in the right position to succeed. And so in my opinion, that's why you see athletes who are just phenomenal at what they do. They're like, yeah, I just run. I don't really stretch or work out. Like Bo Jackson never worked out. And he was an unbelievable athlete, right? He only worked out um, when he uh, hurt his hip, right? And he tried to get back, and he got back. I mean, he was probably only a professional athlete to play with a total hip replacement. <laughs> you know, so that's just, I mean, he's, you, you hear stories about him. It's just unbelievable, just using your body properly. A, are the muscles firing, and are they firing in the right order, right? Sequencing is very important. That is a super interesting, just like down and up, I mean, description. Like you just walked through almost every common ailment you could possibly have. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting is that most people want the immediate fix for the area in which they feel pain, but aren't willing to put in the time to fix what's actually malfunctioning, which is right. usually just some type of postural misalignment or overusing something like just from sitting with bad posture or leaning over or having some type of bad habit or some type of overuse where they're just beating it over and over and over and wondering why it's never working. Right. It's like, well, you just heard a really great description of why it's not. Yeah, absolutely. So if you like, I'm a big believer, if you treat the cause, the symptoms go away. Because A, you have to take the force off the injured area to allow it to heal. So I equate it to like getting stitches, right? And so you could put a Band-Aid on something that you need stitches for and it'll take forever to heal. But what you're doing is if you get stitches, you're actually putting those two pieces together so it can heal faster. So if you tear a muscle, right, that muscle belly tore. So below and above is pulling on it. So you have to release those restrictions so that muscle can touch and heal properly. Right? So for example, like I have a certain athlete that uh, Alshon Jeffrey, his second year with the Bears had a grade two hamstring tear. He played a whole season with it. He lived down the street, comes in two to three times a week um, during the season and had an unbelievable season, right? That's what put Alshon Jeffrey on the map. And you look at him the two year or the year before his rookie year, he had two or three surgeries. I know it was a wrist and a knee. I can't remember the other one. I want to say two off the top of my head. Um, but he would come in, I'd turn on his muscles and he'd go perform, right? And he looked making crazy catches. I mean, there was one play in particular where he caught the ball over his head for a touchdown and just held it there. He couldn't make that movement before because he was in a kyphotic posture. He's a perfect example of someone like coming out of college. To, I don't even know what number he was, if he was second round or third round. But coming out of college, he said he was fat. No, that's the way he carried his, himself. His posture was horrible, so it made him look fat. But if you stand up straight, it doesn't, right? And so that, those are like those Instagram model tricks, right, <laughs> that people are fascinated by. Well, just stand up straight. <laughs> Use your muscles, <laughs> right? And so a lot of times it's like, they don't realize how much it plays a role into function, into movement. And then actually, you turn on a muscle that's not working. Like, I've seen people increase their squat by 100 pounds in, like, four weeks because they know how to recruit the proper muscles, right? Four weeks increasing 100 pounds, it's pretty unheard of, right? But at the same time, it's because now you're using the right muscles. You're just putting your bones in the right position. 
So a lot of it's positioning, a lot of it's overuse. Like when you're tired, you go in the wrong position, right? You may last four miles in the right position, but you can only last six, yeah. right? And so people are just trying to push themselves, push themselves with a negative effect, and they don't realize they're doing it. They just want to burn the extra calories, get the extra steps, or whatever their goal is. But they don't really pay attention to your body. Are my muscles doing what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it? And if they do, that you absorb a lot of force. There was an article that came out, uh, one of my students, one of my PTs went to a course, and they talked about your lats or your abs increase by 5,000%, their contraction, by 5,000% when you use your lats and glutes with it, right? Because if you think about your abs, the transverse abdominis, your, I call it your homemade girdle, wraps around right your whole body, right? Attaches to your thoracolumbar fascia. Your lat attaches to your thoracolumbar fascia. So does your glute. So if you get all those pulling equally, you don't feel any back pain. You just feel strong, right? So if you're doing a lift and you feel back pain, it's because the fascia, right, the soft tissue, the muscular tendon is junction. Muscle turns in the tendon, tendon attaches the bone. That muscular tendon is junction is what's overworking, right? And so like all those muscles that attach there, 80% of the population has back pain at some point in life. It's crazy, right? All because they're not putting their body in the right position, right? And, all, and a lot of times they're, a lot of times people go to the gym, can't see any results, right? Muscles burn calories. So if you're not using your muscles, are you burning calories as much as you should? No, right? And so that's why you see a lot of, um, another, I like to say this word, the skinny fat. People who are so skinny, right, but they have pockets of fat on them, right? It's because they're not engaging that muscle in that area, right? And so it's like, how much weight do you need to lose? You don't, I mean, you're already skinny, but why does that look that way, right? because the fact that muscle is not engaging. Muscle attaches to the fascia, fascia attaches to skin, right? And so if that muscle is not pulling in that part of the body, then it's not pulling the skin. It's not pulling the fascia, and then it doesn't pull the skin. When you um, are looking at somebody who's not a pro athlete, so let's t keep that section of the population who is constantly getting body work done, and they have a team of professionals to do this. Say we're talking about the weekend warrior or anyone who is trying to lose weight or trying to build muscle, somebody who is exercising regularly but does not have like team access to a whole host of doctors, right? Like they're coming up with what their team of people is. Mm -hmm. Maybe they work with a trainer, maybe they don't. How often should somebody like that see a PT or some type of movement coach like you to make sure that things are working properly instead of waiting for the pain to come or instead of like beating their head against the wall trying to get a result and they're they're not seeing it um in terms of being preventative like how often do you think somebody should be doing more body alignment work having somebody look at them like from your kind of professional point of view rather than just going to work out like if i was going to do it five times if i was going to lift five times a week and it would be more beneficial to swap one of those times coming in to see like a PT um, with your kind of mindset and philosophy, like how often should, some, should somebody return back to having that looked at? I think at least once a week. I mean, you're working out five times a week and the goal is for you to move that bone, right? So if you're getting body work done, you constantly feel tight in the same area, well, you're overusing that area, right? Why are you overusing it? And so the goal is for you to use your body together. You won't nearly feel as tight. You won't feel nearly feel the need to stretch. Maybe if you sit for a pro prolonged period of time. But there's a lot of uh, uh, elite athletes who don't like stretching. They don't stretch. It's because when they're doing a movement pattern, they're lengthening muscles during the process. They're going through a full range of motion, 
the muscle needs to be strong in the shortened range and in the lengthened range, not in just mid-range. And so that's why when you do movements, you want to go full range of motion, right? And if you can't go full range of motion, that's a telltale sign that you need to come see someone, right? So you can get full range of motion, right? You lose mobility, then you become tight, and then that tightness eventually turns into pain. I always say that tightness is a precursor to pain. And eventually you keep overusing that muscle, overusing that muscle eventually gives. And so a lot of times I'll see patients that when they're laying flat on the table, you ideally think your body should be relaxed, right? And there are muscles that are so engaged that you touch them, they scream, right? Because their muscle is overworking. The muscle never has time to rest, right? And so a part of it is just making sure that you're using your whole body together equally. Like I said, if your abs work properly, it should take up a lot of the load. Imagine if you hold your stress in your abs too, yes. <laughs> right? A lot of people won't need to see me if they hold their stress in their abs. <laughs> versus in their, <laughs> right? Versus in their, in their jaw or in their neck, right? A lot of times people do this. I don't understand why people are cold. They do this. They shrug up, right? doesn't do anything. But they do it. That's where they hold their stress, right? And so a lot of times I'll see, I'll see people that have mouth guards, that don't really c complain of TMJ pain or tightness and pain in their jaw or headaches, but their position of their head is so far in front of their body, they have back pain. I have that problem. Yeah, so I'll bring their head back and their lat will work, their abs will work better, and it takes the back pain away. I have that problem, Yeah. 100%. So that I have combined with like thoracic immobility, just generally both of those things for sure, 100%. When right. my TMJ comes down, my headaches are less, yeah. and when I get my mid-back worked on, and I, 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 to your point too, I think it is easier having somebody else look at that and move instead of just like kind of banging away on a foam roller every time. Yeah. Or even doing my own mobility because I'm still in this kind of guarded position. Like I need to just relax and have somebody else do that and move me around to get into an effective position like that. I, and I notice when I do that on a regular basis, my headaches come down, oh, my yeah. squat goes deeper, my yeah. runs are less pain, just everything. Because your lat works yeah. when your head's in the right position. Yeah, and, so, and those are always perpetually tight. Right, and you have hamstring issues, right? And it so if you think about it, like the back of your body, we call the posterior chain, posterior chain, posterior, whatever you want to call it. But it, it's, think about it as one muscle. The posterior chain is one muscle. Do you use the, the entire muscle when you push off? Right? Do you use your calf? Do you use gastroc and soleus? Do you use upper hamstring, lower hamstring, mid hamstring? Do you use glute? Do you use lat? Do you use internal oblique? Do you use transverse abdominis? Are you making sure you use all those muscles when you push off? Those are the big ones, right? And so a lot of times I'll see people that have back pain because they're overused their paraspinals and not using their lats. And their paraspinals are huge. So when I was working on Andre Iguodala, his arms were like internally rotated like this. And I had an argument with the trainer. I go, you, I go, I need to change that. He goes, you can't change that. It's structural. I go, no, your muscles move your bones that way. I just need him to do it the other way, right? And so he was having Achilles pain, and nobody could figure out why. It turned on his lats. His Achilles pain went away, right? And so a lot of times it's like people start chasing, like keep treating the symptoms, and they don't get any better, right? Treat the cause, and the symptoms dissipate because there's a reason why that's overworking, right? And so a lot of times you have fascial pain, like Achilles pain, like tendonitis, tendon pain. But tendons aren't contractile. They just lengthen, right? And that's what people need to understand. Fascia just lengthens. It's the muscles that shorten and lengthen. So if you have tight fascia, if you have a tight tendon, it's because the muscle's pulling on it, right? And eventually it snaps, right? And so if you look at people that get hurt in NFL, NBA, like you talk about like um, Oladipio, like uh, Victor from in, Indianapolis, his head's way forward. 
right? He's just running down the court cutting and he tears his patella tendon or quad tendon, one of the two, right? But the position of his head, he would be a better athlete if he got that back. He's just great at what he does. He's a great compensator, right? And, until he can anymore. And so going back to like professional athletes, so around 25, 26 is when we all start to feel pain, right? We can't compensate anymore. They were trying to do the same thing over and over, but we can't compensate. Oh, I need to get stronger in this muscle. Right? It keeps hurting me. Well, it's overworking. Why is it overworking? Right? So look at the bigger equation. If, uh, a lot of times people do just chase symptoms. They don't reali realize what's actually going on. And so you can chase symptoms to your blue in the face like a dog's chasing its tail. If you address the cause, your symptoms dissipate rather quickly. And then it actually increases functional performance because now you're bringing a new muscle to the, to the program. Right? I always say when you squat, right, back squats, your lat and abs become your stabilizer. Your glutes and legs become your movers, right? And your body changes between stabilizers and movers as you move, right? And so that's what you need to understand is like that they change roles, which is great, which is why the body is so fascinating, which is why we can compensate so good until we can't, right? And so depending on if you're a weekend warrior, you want to go, um, five days a week, seven days a week, then you got to make sure you do the proper stuff. Like I work out six, seven days a week, right? Two days heavy, one upper body, one lower body, you know, Peloton, ride the bike. I never used to like riding the bike, <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun now. You, when you feel all your muscles working, it's even more challenging and your output goes up. It's great. When you look at um, like long-term care of a patient, so this could be somebody that just either had an injury or just feels like shit. A lot of times why people don't want to keep c coming back necessarily to the table is they feel like I feel really good after the session mm -hmm. on Monday and then Thursday I feel like shit. So then I come in on Friday, I feel really good till Monday, but it's like this constant game. And I know that, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this too, about how there's like long-term and short-term neurological potentiation where you come into a, a motion, you stretch me, you release mm -hmm. me, I can get a little further because your body says, okay, this is a little yeah. bit more normal. I rub some area, I make it feel good, and then I can come back to it. How do you and how is your method making it so that the, you know, three months from now when they come back, or maybe next week when they come back, if they're if you're pulling their hamstring back and it went to 80 degrees, you mess around, you foam roll, you work, you do your PT, and then it goes to 90. How do they come back next week and start at 90? So well, like, what is the what is the care and what is the treatment plan to make sure that it's not just I have to go to PT six days a week to move my hamstrings. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's, we give them a home exercise program and show them the reflex pattern for their body, the releases to do in a certain order. Like the order in which you work out is huge, right? So if I sat all day at work for eight hours and I don't do anything to open up the front of my body and I go run, you're going to have problems later in life, right? Whether it be a herniated disc or your hips go bad, right? You only know what's normal what's normal to you, yeah. <laughs> right? And so it's like, it's like a frog being in water, right? And you turn the pot on, it's gonna stay in the water, right? Even when it starts boiling, he's so acclimated to it, right? Versus throwing a frog in boiling water, it's gonna try to jump out right away, right? So the difference between overuse, right? Overtraining, overuse, and the pain, and then eventually like a, like a car accident and pain, right? There you know there's an issue. Yeah. But if you were understanding your body and you're seeing the changes and you're paying attention to your body, do I feel my glutes working? Do I feel my abs working when I run? Right? What, am I landing on the outside of my foot? Because that plays a huge role too. And so you had just have to pay attention to your body. I think the biggest things that 
Function to me is getting your abs, lats, and glutes to work together. So if you don't feel them working together, they're not working together, right? And when you walk or run, you should be on your whole foot, right? Not just on the outside of your foot. And you have to go back to alignment, right? But to answer your question, we give them a home exercise program. We want them to maintain those gains. But the goal for them is to move their own body properly. So if, I'm, if my hamstrings are tight, a lot of people will move just in their thoracic spine to touch their toes. There's no movement in the hips or the, or the SI or the pel- or yeah, lumbar we, spine. We always joke when people are trying to touch their toes, it gets worse. Yeah, it gets worse. They go So, I'm, like, okay, one muscle shortens, one muscle lengthens. So if I feel my back overworking, it's because my abs aren't shortening to pull me forward. Yeah. Right, so I believe movement, uh, like that type of movement, bending, touching your toes should be like a flip phone. It should be literally just move at your lumbar spine, right? Mo- primarily, most of your motion should occur at the lumbar spine and the hips, right? And you should feel your glutes load, right? Does your back engage? Yeah, but not a lot, so you can cause this pain or restriction restricts you, right? The goal is to understand movement, uh, understand that everything needs to move, and so if you can't, a lot of times people are so tight, like where's the real cause? Well, you have a lot going on. Right. I mean, you're walking on the outside of your foot. Like a lot of people have everything. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Where do you start with somebody that has everything? Pelvis. Because 60, over 60 muscles attached to the pelvis. And one, you make the craziest changes when the pelvis is on properly. And so if you look at it from a fitness standpoint, I, I feel like our physical therapy, the review method, is a link between medicine and fitness. Because of the fact you have pain, so you want to go to medicine route, right? But where is that crossover to get you back to yeah. fitness, right? To get you back to that pro performance. And so, like, I'm turning a muscle on that you haven't even used, right? You probably won't even use it five years ago, right? There's 80-year-olds where get, we get glutes, right? And that's the cause of her back pain. But she never, and it's impossible to grow muscle at 80 years old. No, it's not. Like, I've seen it been done, right? It's because of fascial alignment and, and telling what muscle to fire. But if you can get bones to move and you muscle, your muscles move your bones, you can turn these back on. And so, yes, pelvis is king. I always say pelvis is king. And so it's just like... Most people that I see, like we, we talk about the anterior tilt, right? But your pelvis is made of three different bones, two ilium, one on each side. That's what we call the anterior posterior tilt. That's more complicated than that. There's actually outflares, upslips, pubic upslips, but we won't get into that. We'll keep it simple. And your sacrum. So typically, a lot of times the sacrum needs to be tilted. Normally, it should be 30, 45 degrees forward. So the difference when I see pro athletes and weekend warriors or just any, any mom and pop or son, kid, is the athlete's SI joints move. They're mobile. So they know how to understand how to use those muscles together. Why do you think that is in an athlete? That's, when you go back to the Victor Oladipo example, you see athletes all the time that can't touch their toes, that yeah. don't work out, but they fucking bang skyrocket. The yeah. I'm trying to dunk and I'm yeah. working my SI joint. I'm doing all that. Yeah, yeah. So where, where do you think, and then let's keep going on your thought, like why, is, is it just genetic that they can move that? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like they were born with, an, or their mind just says, oh, when I jump, my SI joint should do this. They just do it properly. Yeah, they do a proper is. sequencing in the right order. And that was just like right. God so you see a lot of some higher being decided <laughs> to give them that. So I'll give you an example about Tracy McGrady, T-Mac. So I saw T-Mac in 09, the year after D-Way. D-Way was 08. And T-Mac comes in with microfracture of his left knee. Yep. And, um, and his back is locked. I go, you hurt your back before, right? He goes, yeah, just, it's just tight now. I get knee pain. So lo and behold, I go, you did something that you caused your pelvis to come off. And he jumps off the table. He goes, seven years ago, I went up for a dunk and I landed on my back, on my left side. Ever since then, I could never dunk off my left leg. 
right? I go, I could dunk off my left, I could dunk off my right, or I can dunk off both. I never had a problem with that. And ever since then, I could never dunk off my left. I didn't have pain then, I just couldn't do it. So the again, the position of your bones dictate how the muscle works. So that's why you see pro athletes or even weekend warriors who are able to do something and all of a sudden they're like, they can't even do what they did last year, right? They break down faster, right? And so they eventually T-Max soft, right? He has all this knee pain now. Seven years later, you having surgery? Seven years, he compensated for seven years, right? And so like, like five months into it, this is like the whole controversy with T-Mac going, he was on the Rockets and the Knicks picked him up and he wanted to play. And so the, the Rockets come in and they test him five, six months after his uh, surgery and they tested him. He jumps 12 feet off that left leg. It's crazy. But all the muscles started firing and put the pelvis back in alignment. He goes, I don't know what you're doing, <laughs> but I feel good. Yeah. I mean, there's an article that quotes, he goes, uh, what's the difference between the, the, this PT you're working with and the other PTs you work with? He goes, his stuff works, <laughs> right? And so it's like, he's the type of guy that if it hurts, he's not doing it because he's smart. You shouldn't do it if it hurts, right? Your body's telling you something. Listen to it. And so I'm a big believer, like, we're, like, physical therapists are very good at figuring out the problem. But I think you're even better if you start addressing using this methodology because it, it leads you in. It doesn't let you chase symptoms. It just helps you go straight to the cause, and then your symptoms just immaculately go away. So I have a bunch of players who will come in with pain, limping, and I literally work on them. They have a great game, unbelievable game. And they're, like, complain. Tommy Harris is one. He pulled his hamstring off his bone. I saw him his contract year. They drained 40 cc's from his left knee, or is his right knee? It was his right knee. One time, then 70 the next time. The doctor told him, if, if I drain your knee again, then you're going to have season-ending surgery. It's contract year. So he sought outside help, right? He goes, this is it, right? He, his knee never swelled again, and he would have great games, the games we worked on. I mean, he got a $40 million contract that year. Right, and so it just goes, if you turn on the right muscle and they, they know how to use it, so athletes are easier because you turn that muscle on, like, oh, I got it, I can use it now, yeah. right? There's and so then, it, it. right, Immediately. yeah, it's crazy how fast it, and I think working on pro athletes made me a better clinician with people like myself, right, weekend warriors, because I can get the muscle to move now. I understand the patterns now, right, because I saw it for so long. It, like, I would work, one session I work upper and lower body, right? I used to just work pelvis in one session. But it's so fast now because of what I've seen before, of how fast they would, they would get better. It's unbelievable. What, who, um, who impresses you? Like, what are the people in your field? And it, because this could be across a lot, strength trainers, strength and conditioning coaches on teams, other PTs, people who are doing research. Like, who impresses you? And where, where do you pull stuff that you're learning about? Because I think for any field leader or somebody who's really progressing a field forward, um, I think it's interesting where they pull, pull data from. Um, I think just with some of the things that we're doing, like we pull things from like business and health and whatever other creative people who take photographs, anything like that. Yeah. What um, what professionals and this could be health related or non health related, like impress you that are pushing your business, helping you to push your business forward too. Yeah, I mean, I always said like we were talking about uh, Simon Sinek, like start with why. Like, why do you do what you do? Why, why are you trying to make these changes in someone's body? Like how you know it's not gonna hurt them, right? I think understanding what the why is helps lead you into like better business opportunities, collaboration ideas, um, and even become a better clinician. I think I, I look at business a lot as a business owner, right? Like I'm impressed by some of the PTs out there. 
Um, like, for example, whoever was working with uh, Jimmy Butler, right? Because he was like, you can see, like, he was a B player. Now he's an A player. Like, what did he do? What was his transition, right? And so whoever got involved in that did a great job, right? And you have to applause the people that do great jobs, right? And so can he do it for another player or do you just get lucky, right? And so those are the type of things you have to ask yourself. So if you do it over and over again, then you're on to something, right? But if you just do a one-offs, then you're like a one-hit wonder, <laughs> right? So it's just like I think business-wise, Simon Sinek's come out with many other books, right? That TED Talk is um, amazing. And I think just looking to leaders to, to grow from and learn from is, is amazing, you know? But, I mean, we saw that Jack Welch died, CEO of, uh, he was the CEO of uh, GE, yeah. and he made a huge transition on uh, business. You know, I remember reading his book like five, ten years ago, whatever it was, when I was in business school. Yeah, really good. You know, so I think like, we can all learn from each other. I think it's great. And I think when we hire other PTs, they, they keep me on my toes, right? They, they come from like a different background. And, and they're like, in order for like physical therapists are probably the most skeptical group you're going to meet, right? And so if your physical therapists believe what I do, then what I do has to work. And so I didn't do any research on my stuff, right? But there's always, always, I've been saying for literally 15 years, abs, lats, and glutes, right? And so now there's a research article out that supports my thesis, <laughs> my theory, right? <laughs> and so it's just like 5,000% is huge, right? And so it's like you have to look at that and look at those articles and why does it work? Well, because it all attaches to a thoracolumbar lumbar fashion, they enhance each other. So I think it's, it's great to learn from other people. I think everybody has something to add. As a business leader, um, an owner and CEO, um, and actually when I came in and got work done, I mean, you had like five of your students watching and, and yeah. learning. How do you translate what you do to the next generation that's either going to work for you or learn from you? And at the same time, as you grow your business from one to two to three to six clinics, how do you make sure that PT at clinic one and six are giving the same attention and care that you were when you had one table at one spot with your people? Great question. So, I mean, that's one of the things that we never want to lose is quality. That's what separates us from the big chains out there, the big, big ballers, right? So you got ATI and Athletico out there. And so how do I differentiate myself? And I think as a business person, that's one of the things I try to do is differentiate myself, right? And so quality, we maintain. Like I go to different clinics once a, uh, once a quarter, I'll meet with all the PTs at different clinics and we'll go over stuff. What are you having trouble with? They have uh, free access to me or free access. They have access to me and shoot me a question, get on the phone. Um, all the clinicians that are clinic managers at each clinic were in West Loop before. That's my, my, where I work out of. So I just treat patients two days a week, all day, Tuesdays and Thursdays from seven to eight. And so those are the days I see patients, but Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, I run the business and make sure the quality is maintained. I mean, that's, that's our bread and butter. That's what separates us from the other physical therapy uh, practices out there. And so making sure our clinicians are the best, right? And training them, making sure they can do what I do. Um, obviously, you get more and more experience the more you do it. But I've had patients come up to me that were in pain for 10, five, five to 10 years. They're like, this guy's great. I'm like, he's only been out three months. <laughs> yeah, but I have pain for five years. I go, yeah, he's, he's, on, he's doing great. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing, right? And so your muscles are your first line of defense. So if you treat them properly, right, you maintain it properly, then I think you can do a lot. But I think if you, like, you look at it, like, why is Dwayne, Dwayne Blair? He was a basketball player, played for the Spurs, had 
no ACLs. Why was he able to do that? So those are the kind of things that go in my head is like, why is he able to do that? Why can't that person do that? Why is this person clumsy, right? Well, they don't use your core, right? And so it's, it's like, those are the type of questions. I always ask why, and I think that's how I became a better clinician. It's like, why does it help this person and not that one, right? And so the things I've learned and brought to the table. So the, met the methodology itself is like, I would take whatever worked, and if it didn't work, I'm not using it. I don't want to waste your time or my time. I want to get you better faster. I feel like there's, I don't know, 10 million people in this city. <laughs> yeah, there are. They all need it. They all need it. <laughs> right? And so they don't even realize they need it. But once they get on the table, it's, it's an eye-opening experiment or experience. And they're just like, what? I just wasted. Because we'll get ACLs that are literally 10 weeks, 10 months out. They come in one time, they're like floored. Like, I've been wasting my time for 10 months. I'm like, well. <laughs> you know, so I was just like, well, because they can't get a certain muscle to fire, right? So, like, if you have any injury where you tear a ligament, you have to understand that ligaments prevent end-range motion, right? So if I tear my ACL, that means we call it the Q angle. My Q angle is off, right? It should be a straight line like this, right? But if you tear your ACL now, it's like this. So once you put it back in place, then that VMO fires. And a lot of times I would see athletes two, three years after ACL, one leg smaller than the other, considerably, like half, and they're still playing a sport. It's crazy that they can compensate. Yeah. You just figure it out. Yeah. Skill. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I say. It's like, well, if you have an athlete that has the wisdom of the game and then you get their body back, it's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think one of the uh, biggest things, I, uh, nobody thought Sean Livingston would come back from injury. So everybody remembers Sean Livingston's injury. He that had was insane. tore every ligament in his body. and <laughs> Not his body, but his knee. <laughs> Pretty much, though. <laughs> yeah. and, that was uh, one of the most devastating injuries I've ever seen. So he comes in, I see him a year and a half after he hurt himself, after surgery. His knee's still swollen. Within three weeks, the people are watching him play. I mean, that's how fast it was. Because I put the muscles back on. And he was skinny to begin with, so he didn't have that many muscles, right? That much girth, so it was just easier, right? And so I think people, his paradigm was completely changed. And he played, what, another 10 years? Right? Elite level. At an elite, elite, elite level. Yeah. I get a lot of players or people are told they can never. I have some athletes that are like, the doctor told me never to lunge again. I go, you play professional football. You don't even know what position you're going to be in. Right? So you have to lunge. Yeah. <laughs> and so they get over that fear and they start doing it. So, like, once you understand, me and Tommy Harris used to um, talk about it. I go, the way you feel affects you mentally. Right? And so a lot of times people will see sports psychologists because they just don't feel right or whatnot, and they try to push them mentally past it, which is great. But if their body's not feeling right, they know. An athlete knows when their body's not right. Yeah. And they come in, you got to get me right. I'm like, get on the table. Yeah, <laughs> right? sit down. Shut up. Right back where we started. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Um, so how is it for you – working with an athlete versus the everyday person in regards to mindset. The athlete's getting paid for using their body. Mm -hmm. The every, everyday person wants to feel better in quotes. What are things that you're doing, kind of like table side manner, talking to somebody that's not getting paid for their body so that they're gonna go home and actually do the work that they need to do? Well, obviously it's motivation level, right? So yeah. it's just like, do I gotta get back to walking? Or do I get back to running, right? Do I want to make sure I never get injured again? Or am I, am I okay with getting injured again? 
right? So I think you, you walk them through that process is like, do you want to get hurt again? Do you want to live with this with the rest of your life? You don't have to, but what you put in, there's a lot of times patients will literally, my patients come once a week because that's how much better they feel. I'm like, if you come twice a week, we'll cut it down. Like, like literally, like you don't even have to be here that long. Just twice a week. Give me four weeks, twice a week. You'll see re- re- remarkable gains. And so like a lot of times they'll come once a week, once every two weeks. So I feel good. I just started coming back last week. I go, yeah, but if you came last week, you wouldn't have come back this week. So I try to talk them through it. But a lot of times people have busy lives, right? Yeah. And so that's part of it. Like a lot of my people, my clients, they travel a lot. And so like I tell them, whatever you put in is what you're going to get in. So if I can make these gains, you should be able to maintain them. And by next session, we'll progress even further. And so like trying to get them to do the home exercise program. A lot of times they're overwhelmed because their body feels still different. They don't know where to start. I go, this is where you need to start. Right. And then we'll progress from there. Right. Because there's always... The way the methodology teaches you is that what is your weakest link? What's limiting you, right? And that's that limiting variable is, I, I use the body as a mathematical equation, right? And you, your foundation is your pelvis. Your pelvis is your most independent variable. Everything depends on the pelvis, right? So I always look at the knee as a, the, the joint that's the most dependent variable in your lower body, right? It depends on your foot and ankle, and it depends on your hip. If your knee only moves in one plane of motion, Right, a little bit rotation, but pretty much one plane of motion, flexion extension, where your foot moves in three planes of motion, and your hip moves in three planes of motion. And then your hip sits in a socket of the pelvis. So the position of your hip is dependent on the pel- position of the pelvis. Right? So your hip is dependent on the pelvis. Right? And so they all are they work together. And so when I tell somebody to do a, a combined movement like a deadlift, they get so overwhelmed. They don't know what to do, what to start. I go, engage your abs, stick your shoulder blades down the back and stick your body out and squat or deadlift, right? And so they, oh, oh, okay. And then they just forget how to move. Like the, like nobody was given a manual about how to move, right? Yeah. The biggest predictor of a professional athlete was what your parents were. That's the biggest predictor, right? If you're, and I think it's because we, kids copy their parents, right? It's called kinesthetic learning, right? And so if they're copying their parents, they're moving like their parents. I remember having some patients come in and one of the patients had a huge calves and the, the son had huge calves because he walks just like his dad. It's crazy, but it's, it's just it's a exa- perfect example. Oh, it's genetic. No, it's, is it? Or is it because, well, it, it, I mean, there's a portion of it, it is, but then like a part of it, I think, is just compensation or just uh, kinesthetic learning. I think it's a little bit of both, right? So I think um, some people don't feel pain, which is crazy. Like, I have a high tolerance for pain. Like, I have these tools I use. Remember the big bloop tool? Yeah. Um, and I use it on some pro athletes, and I'm like literally all my weight, 210 pounds on this tool. And they were like, uh, I go, you feel this? Oh, it just feels tight. <laughs> Versus you touch somebody with just your fingertips, they're screaming, right? So a lot of it's like genetic, like do I feel pain? Their one out of 10 is probably a 10 out of 10 for us. Yeah. And that's how crazy it is. Like I've seen patients with pro athletes with swollen knees. Yeah, my knee swells after a hard workout. I'm like, and this is ballooned up. <laughs> But he can still walk, he can still jump, he can still fire the muscle. And then you have a, another patient, they don't even look like that when their knee is after surgery, like that swollen. Can barely walk, <laughs> right? Can barely put weight on it. It's crazy, right? But I think pain is a is huge instrument in like telling you what's going on with your body. I think pain is good. What are some daily things general population should be doing to be out of pain? Releases, I think releases. So I believe joints get tight initially because the muscles get tight. Right, and then you can't get out that joint out of that position. But muscles cross joints, 
right? And so if a muscle gets tight, it compresses that joint. If that joint's compressed, then there's increased friction there. If there's increased friction there, then it takes more load for you to move it with the antagonistic muscle, right? And so if you release the muscle that's restricted, typically hip flexors, to cross eight joints, then you open up your back, right? So I think releases are what helps you a lot. I think releases and understanding your posture and your alignment when you're sitting, being aware of it, right? Most people aren't aware. They're so focused on their, their phones and cell phones. They look like this all the time. And then they try to lift weights and their head's still stuck like that, right? And so we know when you position your head tells your abs and lats to work. Right? So if your head's not in the right position, it's going to mess with your workout. You're not going to get the maximum benefits of the workout because you're not recruiting all your muscles. Like I literally will have patients just go in the right form. I go, show me what you do. I go, now do this, this, and that. Oh, it feels so much lighter. I go, because you're recruiting more muscles. And so now you can jump up and wait a lot faster, right? And you can jump up and wait, and then you can lift safely because now you're not causing, creating a muscle imbalance, right? You're not causing a pinch in your shoulder joint when you're bench pressing because you're having proper alignment. Right? And people just don't realize that the alignment is huge. And the goal isn't for me to crack it and move it. The goal is for me, you, to move it when you need to. Right? And understanding your body and having better body awareness. Because most patients have poor body awareness. They don't understand their body at all. But once you pu start putting their pelvis back in the right position, they're like, oh, it feels completely different to them. It's foreign. I go, this is what you need to be. This is normal. You may not think it's normal, but this is normal for you. So you've got to keep practicing this. And this will help you. Are you in pain right now? No, it feels great. I could touch my toes. I could bend backwards. Okay, you need to stay like this, <laughs> right? So then I give them exercises. The goal is for me, you got to strengthen individual muscles, but as they progress, then you start getting their abs and lats to work together, right, with uh, two-step stuff. And then eventually abs, lats, and glutes with compound movements like snatches, dead, 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 squats, deadlifts, snatches, pretty advanced. But uh, squats and deadlifts, which is lightweight, no weight, right, just form bar. Right? Can you move properly without resistance? Right? First step is to move your body properly. So that's why you see a lot of people, there's a lot of um, people who are trainers but aren't necessarily trainers. Right? They're not, you know, don't have the, the knowledge like you guys do to become trainers. Like, and they just, everyone's a trainer on Instagram nowadays. It's, it's pretty, pretty bad out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people don't know. It's because they have a great body or like they're, all these people taking supplements now and getting tummy tucks as a trainer I've heard about, like, oh, I'm great, I look great, so I must know what I'm doing. Do you, do you yeah. really? But I think a, a trainer can make or break you. you know, I've seen it a lot, and you see it a lot in professional athletes. Um, like, people that should progress to the next level and actually take a few steps backwards, which is pretty sad, you know, it's pretty yeah, unfortunate. A facilitator, not an inhibitor. <laughs> exactly, oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we see that all the time in our profession. Of even just like walking into a gym and just watching people work out is just something. I can't just, do it. Yeah, you just, you can't. You <laughs> Blinders. You just want to help everybody. You just want to help everybody. Amazing. I think everything that you guys are doing, um, the way that you guys are growing your business um, is something that Jason and I look up to and it's been something really cool just to see you guys, how you're doing it. Um, we've come in, I've seen multiple people in multiple clinics and I feel like I'm getting treated ev well every single time. Uh, one question that we love to ask everybody, our methodology, our philosophy, our motto is to have the best day ever, every single day. So if you could wake up tomorrow and have the best <laughs> day ever, do anything, hang out with any professional athlete, hang out with your kids, get on your Peloton bike, whatever it would be, what would it look like? Best day. day ever would get a, a workout in the morning before my kids and wife get up and hang out with my kids all day and my wife. Just hanging out doing nothing. Love being home. 
with the kids and they like wrestling me. My son's he'll be five, but he likes punching me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. It's, a thing. it's totally a thing. Yeah, yeah. And my daughter just laughs and then she jumps on me occasionally when I'm tickling him and then it's fun. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. Those kids are awesome. It's a fun thing until oh, they're yeah. bigger than you and then it's like oh. <laughs> whoa, 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 you're too short. Yeah, don't yeah. don't don't, don't turn on that muscle. <laughs> <laughs> you can't use those muscles. You should try this instead. Yeah. I always tell them, too, like, shoulder blades down and back. Like, <laughs> no, but it's crazy. It's like my daughter, for example, when she was five years old, they asked her. She was in gymnastics. They asked her to do one of those um, back bends when you stand on your hands and your feet. Yeah, yeah. And she was doing it. She goes, Daddy, I'm supposed to do this for 30 seconds. I can't even do it for five seconds. And I just look at her. I was like, oh, come here. I just mobilize her pelvis, her sacrum, and she did it for 30 like, she couldn't do it for five and did it for 30, like, literally within seconds. Yeah, I need that. That's a perfect example of, like, putting your muscle bones in the right position so your muscles can work. And then she knows how to move it now, right? Because she got awareness of it. Mm-hmm. First it's step cool is getting awareness. see that with your kids. Oh, that's so it's fast really with kids, real. man. Yeah, You're molding They're them. So oh, yeah, fast. but if you, and, and, uh, if you treat these in- injuries earlier than later in life, it's so much easier to fix. So yeah. get to it. Yeah. Don't wait forever. Yeah. <laughs> get your kids in. Get your kids in. <laughs> React kids coming soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, amazing, I think. I mean, thanks so much for, for spending some time here telling some really cool stories about people. Uh, is there any other parting pieces of advice or just topics of conversation that you would love for our listeners to, to hear about? I think uh, I was telling my daughter just this morning, I was like, if you find something you're really passionate about, you don't, you're not going to work a day in your life. You know, I saw, I just tell her, like, understand what you love and embrace it, you know, and then you'll never work a day in your life. I don't even feel like this is work talking about what I do all day. Yeah. It's amazing. It's fun. Yeah, I can tell because I remember the first time <laughs> I met you, you were saying so much of the same stuff with the same amount of, like, passion and drive. And, yeah. I mean, Jason and I preach the same thing. It's like since we left our corporate jobs to do this. That's awesome. I mean, we have. It's fun. From an hour's it's perspective, they've gone way up, but yeah. it's you don't even feel yeah, it. Yeah, you don't even feel like it. It's just like, we just, just hang out yeah. with cool people and talk. <laughs> it's like super cool. Um, so where can people find out about you? Where can people find out about React uh, and anything coming out in the future? Uh, React Physical Therapy, uh, bereact.com, B-E-R-E-A-C-T.com. Um, React PT on Instagram, and that's where you can find us. Awesome. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for listening to the show, everybody. Uh, make sure you take a second to give us a five out of five rating on whatever tool or uh, podcast platform you are listening to. And we always wish you guys the best day ever. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome.